Hello and welcome to Revolutionary Woman. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. My guest today is Jeanette Brown. Jeanette has brought effective public relations branding, marketing, and positive crisis resolution solutions to clients across a variety of industries. When thousands of loyal Maker's Mark bourbon drinkers revolted online after Maker's Mark announced they were lowering the alcohol content in the iconic product, Jeanette was a key member of the team Beam Suntory, the parent company, hired to restore customer confidence in their brand. Swift action with the brand owners, communication and social media, and consumer influencers brought what would be called a faux pas comparable to Coca-Cola's 1980s misstep to a footnote in bourbon history. Within a week, Maker's Mark fans' confidence was restored as they happily awaited the return of the original proof bourbon they had grown to love. Jeanette is a Brooklyn, New York native whose family tree branches reach the Caribbean, including Trinidad and Jamaica. Her appreciation for community, family, and culture developed while growing up in Bushwick's multi-ethnic neighborhood. The sounds of Latin music filled every bodega, the aroma of exotic dishes infiltrated the air, and everyone was treated like family at celebrations. Today, Jeanette lives with her sons Dylan and Derek in Atlanta, Georgia. When she's not enjoying episodes of the Power Rangers or tracking the latest OG 1S drop, she studies plants and healthy lifestyle practices to remain grounded as a mom, business owner, and self-proclaimed sneaker connoisseur. Hi, Jeanette. Welcome to Revolutionary Woman. How are you this afternoon? Hello, Tess. I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on and for uh, spending some time with me. Okay, so let's get started. So I read that you're a native New Yorker. I was too. I am still. And um, I was like, I think once a New Yorker, always a New Yorker, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And uh, you grew up in Bushwick, Brooklyn. What was it like growing up in Bushwick? Wow. So Bushwick was, uh, was amazing. I, I still today kind of hear, hear songs or think about uh, specific cuisines. And I think about my childhood growing up in Bushwick because it was a, uh, a diverse group of, um, of people who, you know, kind of all lived in a community, which on the outside, you know, folks thought, you know, it was, it was crime ridden and all these horrible things that were happening in Bushwick. And mm-hmm. of course, today, it's one of the top 10 cities in the world wow. to live. But uh, it, it was amazing because of the sense of community and, and people looking out for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in events and parties and as well as the, the corner store, right? Like my, mm-hmm. my understanding of the bodega is just like a cult, today is a cultural phenomenon. And, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's definitely something that I was really fortunate to live through and experience. And I think it definitely helped to shape who I am today. Oh, that's not, awesome. That's not just the bodega, but overall yeah. <laughs> experience in Bushwick. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I grew up in Queens and back then, I mean, where I lived was like a, a, basically a melting pot, you know, and, and you could go down the street and it was, you know, um, it was, I guess, like what you would have a Seven Eleven, but like 
a sim like a, basically like a card store that you bought everything in and like a Hallmark right. card store, but you could buy stuff in it too. And, but it was like around the corner and, you know, and there was, there were different restaurants around the area, like basically down the block from where I lived. And, you know, it's funny because you're right. I, I felt safer then, you know, right. and that was like in the eighties. And I'm like, and I really felt like it was a community, you know, which was, yeah. and then when I came back in, well, maybe 20 years later, and it was so just vastly different. And I'm like, I don't remember, you know, like, it's not the same anymore. So I get it. Right. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Very, very similar experience. Wow. Okay. And so I read that your grandmother was a nurse practitioner and your grandfather was a superintendent of schools in Trinidad before they emigrated to the States. But even with their college education and work experience, they were denied jobs they were qualified for due to their race. Now, how did their experiences affect the way you saw the world? So they, their experiences um, showed me that anything is possible, but within a specific box, if you mm -hmm. will, within mm -hmm. a particular criteria, right? right? So they were accomplished, came to this, this country for a new opportunities, however, you know, one thing that was drilled into me growing up was, you know, not having an accent mm. uh, because they have Caribbean descent. They spoke proper English and corrected my grammar every single day oh, and every wow. other sentence as a child. Oh my but gosh. They, uh -huh. yeah, they didn't want uh, my sister and I to have an accent and they wanted us to speak properly so that we could get a good job, right? Uh -huh. It was always get, get an education so you can get a good job yes. and yes. be able to take care of yourself. And that is how my world was shaped growing up is that I had to do these things right and fit in and, you know, look preventable, you know, mm -hmm. show up preventable in the world, be kind and attentive. Mm -hmm. And then also it'll all lead to success, which was getting a good job where yeah. I can take care of myself. Wow. It's funny that you say that because I grew up learning English first before um, my parents are, um, it's like I'm of Filipino descent. So, but I never learned the um, native language of, of the Philippines until I was maybe five or six be, um, because I was taught English first. And again, you know, going to, getting into the States, you, you're like, I did not have an accent. Um, and so people just assumed that I was born here. And I'm like, no, you know, I say, but because I was, um, you know, I didn't have an accent. It was, in a way, I guess, easier for me to um, be part of a, a, a be part of a group, right? But right. then, I, I, if you hear my mother speak, you know, there's an accent, and right. for them, you know, they were like, "No, you can't." You know, it's like you have to. And again, like you said, you know, education was really, really. Um, it was. Um, they, they definitely said, you know, you need an education so you can have a good job and then we'll, we'll make sure that you have a better future. So I get it, you know, and, but again, it's like, it's so, um, I guess it's so like, I, I, I felt like, you know, I was kind of like, I didn't know where I belonged, you know? So right. was I American? Was I Filipina? Was I both, you know? Um, right. But coming from their experience, well, we don't want you to sound 
with an accent because that'll hamper you from, you know, being included as opposed to excluded, right? So Right, right. No, uh, they're very similar experience. You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, and that I can... Um, I can relate to the sense of not knowing where to belong, mm -hmm. where you belong or with which group because of that. Um, and I think the plus is that there were so many people from different places. Mm -hmm. And now that you mentioned that story, I think about my friends growing up whose parents had uh, you come from like the Dominican Republic mm -hmm. or other Caribbean islands right. or um, they they all had the same I had friends whose parents didn't speak English but they'd have me over for dinner every night mm. right they take me on family vacation wow. because it's it, like you know like the communication you don't I, you, you understand obviously and you can communicate to some extent but right. that was it the feeling of inclusion mm -hmm. and, and being your one and friend and you're, you're part of the family right. it wasn't about us speaking the same language like right. where it's like you know yeah it's it's just so interesting yeah wow. yeah for sure <laughs> back for sure. Um, and then at the age of 14, you got a part-time job, went to school full-time. Then after college, you received your bachelor's degree and got a job in public relations. Now, do you think your grandparents' experiences partly influenced you to be a go-getter? Yes. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, I remember answering the question and thinking, you know, who can I attribute my future to? And I, I also shared my you know, the everyone kind of passing away when I reached a certain age. And I said, oh, well, you know, it's on me. But in, in retrospect, it's, it was their influence in the pri prioritizing education, prioritize, you know, being independent, mm -hmm. um, sustain, be able to sustain myself that continued long after my, my grandparents and my mom had passed on. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, so that determination definitely came from, from the early years. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah. And they were, I mean, obviously they were great role models for you. So. Absolutely. They were, they yeah. were, they were amazing role models. And I didn't even realize that I was always as a child, you know, you want to do things you want to do what your friends do. You uh -huh. want to experience, you know, things that maybe they understand why they're unfavorable. But at right. the time you're like, we're just kids. <laughs> yeah. Right? I go through yeah. the same thing with my son on the playground today, uh -huh. but. Uh -huh. um, I understand why they were so persistent and strict about um, the values and morals and the things that we should should um, kind of hold dear to our hearts in the way in which I should live my life. Right. No, I get it. Okay. So you are the founder of Excellence and Presence Communications. What is Excellence and Presence Communications about and what prompted you to create it? Okay. So Excellence and Presence Communications is an integrated PR and marketing communications company. And uh, what's prompted me to create, uh, to create my own company is the opportunity to work, the desire to work on brands mm -hmm. that I love, believe mm -hmm. in, and also um, help to drive messages around culture, diversity, inclusion, and things that are passionate, uh, that I'm passionate about in my life. Hmm. And um, yes, so that's excellence and presence communications. Okay. Um, and what was your aha moment regarding creating this company? So I, um, I had my second son in 2017 and I was home on maternity leave and realized that I enjoyed spending time with him, which mm -hmm. I didn't get a chance to do with my, my oldest son. I was more of the working mom and, you know, 
providing was more important than spending those moments that would never ever happen again and I had a second chance to do that mm. and I said I also loved working in PR and the campaigns and the creativity and you know seeing things come go from you know inception to execution mm-hmm. so I said you know I've got to be able to still feed my passion and then still be present for my family and mm-hmm. in that moment I decided to start my own company that's awesome okay I mean what makes excellence and presence communications stand out from other um, from other agencies and do you think that there's um, still more, there's still some um, I guess there's not enough women that are creating their own agencies okay so what uh, great great question so what I think stands out about excellence and presence communications is the the experience of all of the um, either consultants or folks that I work with on a full-time basis Mm -hmm. we all have a variety of experiences right it's a diverse group of folks and I believe that the foundation of any successful company is built on diverse perspectives. So mm-hmm. um, I, a lot of companies specialize in one particular area. Some folks say you can't do everything really well. I believe that we are doing everything really well and executing with excellence when we come up with a campaign idea, deliver results, or provide consultations for um, consulting support for the companies who work with us. Hmm. And I do believe that uh, that there are a lot of women today who are creating companies and um, and you know leaving you know creating legacies and and making an impact in the world on a number of different um, in a number of different areas. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to see that a lot more today. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think that they get enough recognition. Yes, and that's true. Um, so yeah, so there's a lot of great work happening behind the scenes and I think it's you know I know that I kind of you know I'm always playing the modest role or you know not realizing how amazing something was that I did Mm -hmm. because everyone around me isn't celebrating it but Mm -hmm. then when I reflect on my experiences there have been so many amazing moments in my life and I wish that I was present for them versus Mm -hmm. chasing the next great thing right so that's also a piece of what makes excellence and presence communications a great company is because those those magical moments really happened i was really Mm. there i really helped to create them and that is what i bring to the businesses and um, brands that i work on okay so your company um you i mean and you of course value um inclusion and um and and equity have you yourself have you faced discrimination growing up or in your profession or even in creating your company yes uh yes to all the questions Hmm. so growing up absolutely faced discrimination a lot of it had to do with where i was from Hmm. and um you know like where i lived and the perception that came along with someone who lived in Bushwick, Brooklyn in the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. despite the fact that I you know, was taught to, you know, them and those and these and their, like, pronunciation and mm-hmm. speaking properly and my, you know, my grandparents who were, 
who they were in their um, in their respective professions mm-hmm. abroad, but it didn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there were uncomfortable moments where people judged me without even meeting me. And, you know, you just kind of had to push past that and move on. And then when it came to, to um, professionally, absolutely. But I don't think that there were uh, moments where there was some sort of like blatant disregard during my career or blatant disrespect a lot of it is uh, is is not uh, it's not an example I can point to. It's mm-hmm. more of like the instances of why you didn't get a particular opportunity, mm-hmm. or you know, discovering that you know your peers or even your subordinates make earned more money than you did, right. and you're the one leading teams and bringing business in. It's kind of right. those subtleties that happen. Uh. And then, as as a professional, as, as a business owner. I think that there is a perception with people who, when you own your own company, that you, you know, you're working independently mm-hmm. um, because you, you know, you didn't, you couldn't cut it in corporate, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to creating the life that you want to live mm-hmm. and knowing that you could, you can be sitting behind a desk, you can be sitting around a table or in a boardroom right. and still impacting companies and lives in a, a massive way or you can be sitting at home in your home office mm-hmm. or um you know alone and still creating that same magical moment and impactful campaigns for companies but right. the perception is that oh well you should be cheaper uh-huh. you know, but I, I still have 23 years of experience working on multi-billion dollar brands and i right. know i really know how to do it right, right. but right yeah the perception is yeah so yeah wow well, your rates are so you know and huh. it's like I know how to get everything done from start to finish. It should right. be that much, right? Right, right. and perception yeah. is is definitely usually yeah. That's that's the crux of it all is because they don't really they're not in your shoes. So how would they know? Right. You know, right. and also right. it, it's the way that society has played a huge part in it. You know, because we're still battling with our place, women, uh, uh, women's place in the workforce how many more how yeah. many years already going going through it um and to is still you know we're still going through yeah. so much of what people consider to be well no you know why why should you be getting the same amount of money why should you be getting not even the money but like even the the recognition or or just right. you know realizing that you know what I probably work better than a lot of the people there. Um, right, it, right. It's it's unfortunate, but yeah, we still have a lot to uh, still have a lot to work through. Um, <laughs> so and this, that's so going to be true. another conversation there. <laughs> um, yes. <yeah. laughs> so, I mean, Jeanette, one of the companies that you worked for was Beam Suntory. Can you share with me the story of how you restored the Maker's Mark brand? and why it needed to be restored? Sure. So I, uh, I worked at, uh, I was working, well, the company I worked for, um, Bean Centauri, Maker's Mark, was a client of theirs. Mm. And, um, and the, the, we were working on general lifestyle campaigns, uh, promoting the whiskey, assisting the brand with creating campaigns that mm-hmm. help to expand their audience, raise their profile, as well as educate uh, folks on the Maker's Mark brand history, as, as well as the um, the whiskey industry, right? So mm-hmm. the there came a point where 
the whiskey category was growing so big mm. that the that the um, the brand was trying to keep up with demand oh. and um, and because it was growing so quickly you know there's a there's a, a maturation I maturation process there's mm-hmm. a process of um, you know kind of putting whiskey in barrels and allowing them to sit and um, and they they just couldn't produce enough whiskey um, the the recipe as quickly as they as demand was growing mm-hmm. and they made a decision to to change the recipe mm-hmm. and um, unfortunately the decision turned into a and it was a really a heartfelt decision so that's that's the one thing I want to back up to is that Maker's Mark is a it's a loved brand by its fans it's probably an entry level product for most people who enter the whiskey category it's mm-hmm. you know the recipe is great it tastes great and when their fans uh, heard that they were going to change the recipe to keep up with demand they mm-hmm. interpreted it as you know they were watering down their product mm-hmm. and um okay. and unfortunately that was the that was the news that broke you know that mm-hmm. was the headline that we then went from you know here's how to make a cocktail with mm-hmm. uh, Maker's Mark whiskey are talking about its heritage and, and family legacy to helping them change the narrative mm-hmm. and restore their consumer um, consumer trust where, mm-hmm. you know, to let them know, hey, we, we made this announcement. We, we realized it was a mistake based mm-hmm. on your reaction. Right. And we've decided not to change the recipe. Wow. Okay. And, and was that... Um, how long did it take for, well, how, how long before you got the consumer trust back? I mean, if you can it, tell me about that. So from, okay, so it took, it took about, um, I want to say a week to two weeks. Oh, okay. Okay. Probably not as long, you know, I'm sure there, there may have been some skeptics. There still may have been some skeptics, mm-hmm. but the, you know, the an announcement was made and the folks, the brand ambassadors or the uh, the fans who get communications from Maker's Mark on a regular basis, mm-hmm. their, you know, beloved consumers received the announcement, a letter from the, the um, chief emeritus announcing that they were going to change the recipe. And then, you know, social media and things mm-hmm. going viral is right. exactly what happened in yeah. 20. 12 and you know we went from everything this announcement going viral the news picking it up to then having to make a statement a few days later that mm-hmm. you know we realized they made a mistake we you know they kind of fell on the sword realized mm-hmm. they made a mistake and mm-hmm. then they were going to have to figure out how they would deal with growing demand and maybe right. other brands would you know fall into the spot that they filled because they wouldn't be able to deliver the product in the way that they had imagined but mm-hmm. it was it was it was all transparent, you mm-hmm. know, they, mm-hmm. and I think I learned so much from that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, one, the power of social media, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and sure. two, you know, the, just, you know, just seeing, you know, these, this, this brand is the brand as well as the company, the corporation that own partially own the brand. They, everyone was transparent about the process. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why restoring the um, trust in their con- the consumer trust mm-hmm. was a lot easier. It definitely wasn't easy in the moment. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure anyone that I worked with at that time, we all have like stories of, mm. of what those moments, those hours, those days were like. But right. I right. do know that restoring the trust was a lot 
easier for um, the message to be felt as authentic versus let's just, you know, put a Band-Aid on the situation mm-hmm. and, and make a decision um, without informing our consumers. So I think, you know, the transparency, authenticity is what helped to shift perception yeah. and trust was uh, regained within a short amount of time. Oh, that's awesome. And, you know, yeah. it, it really, um, it speaks a lot about you and and how you wanted to work still you wanted to work with them to restore that that trust and and also make sure that you know your values are the same as their values right yes so yeah and do you see that with do you see that with all the clients you work with or do you try to at least um work with clients who will have the same value system that you do, that you have? Today, yes. And I can tell you that when I worked on Maker's Mark brand, I, you know, didn't know the history, the family history before working with them. It was a a piece of business that I had inherited once Mm. I joined a company Mm -hmm. and helped to grow and evolve while working there. But that experience, as well as, you know, traveling to Kentucky and going to the distillery, oh, wow. and, and we, we told the family story, right? Uh-huh. Like, part of my job was flying journalists to Kentucky. I spent a lot of time there and also working closely with the um, the folks who whose great-grandmother created the wax oh, wow. on, um, yeah, created the wax on the, 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 that the bottles are dipped on. It was her idea to create the red wax, to huh. dip the bottle top in red wax. And it was a marketing a marketing tactic that today still is a huge identifier for mm. makers. Marcus, you know, you can look at a back bar any day and you'll be able to identify a bottle of Maker's Mark whiskey because it has that red uh, wax dripping down the, um, down the, sh- the uh, neck of the bottle. Right. Huh. And, uh-huh. So just kind of hearing their story and learning it, I then realized that our values did line up, being authentic, mm-hmm. being being true, you know, and mm-hmm. doing what you say and saying, you know, saying what you're going to do and, and there being no question whether, um, you know, folks should believe you. And I think back then I had no idea that that was the case mm-hmm. in retrospect. Absolutely. Right. And so, so that's what drives me today to work with brands I believe in mm-hmm. and um, you know people always say PR is smoke and mirrors and you know that there was a spin but mm. um, I know what spin what the spin looks like mm-hmm. when it doesn't land in the way that you want it to right. and unless it's an authentic story to be told and um, you're being transparent or upfront even if you've made a mistake and being honest about it that helps to regain trust a lot faster than spinning a news oh, angle. Yeah, for right? sure. Yeah. So was your company affected by the pandemic? And if if yes, then how so? So it uh, my company wasn't affected by the pandemic. Oh, okay. um, I I I was already working remotely. Some of the companies at the time I was working in the city and, and going into an office where I was uh, consulting with a company. So I then, you know, worked remotely and because I've I worked in a remote position, a field position, mm-hmm. uh, when I worked on Miller Coors brands in the past. So working remote, thankfully, that those two years actually paid off when the pandemic 
um, hit and we all had to isolate and um, mm. I was able to still maintain business and communication with clients. I had a client in California and mm. Louisiana while working from Brooklyn wow. and also in France. Oh. Um, so, yes. So being able to, you know, still push uh, messaging forward. There was a challenge with getting information out on campaigns and um, and the brands that I worked on, but everyone was in the same place. So it was mm -hmm. more about, it, you know, clearly communicating with your audience and right. making sure they knew that, you know, you weren't closing your doors or things were on hold temporarily. And again, another moment where transparency and we're all in this together mm -hmm. really meant that, right? Like no yeah. one knew, no one could predict what was going to happen. So I was I'm really thankful again for all the experiences I had prior to that moment, because mm -hmm. I'm sure for some it, um, it impacted them significantly because what they understood was getting up and going to a place to collaborate with people or, right. you know, yeah. if, you know, it's like a chain, a cascade of activity that would happen and then they would jump in and, you know, their part would it'd be their turn so luckily I was able to kind of um, still keep going and, and definitely picked up a few new clients during that time oh, and awesome. helped support and consult. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, so is there someone you would credit for where you are now? I would credit my mother <laughs> for where I am now. Yeah. Okay. She, she, uh, she passed away when I was 17, mm -hmm. but I can still hear her voice <laughs> or the things or the things that she taught me. I can hear all of those things in every step of life where I may be second guessing myself mm -hmm. or, um, or, you know, doubting a decision that I've made. And then this is even in business, right? Because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, social skills, interpersonal skills are, are it's tremendously important in business, even though folks say, you know, know it's about other things, mm -hmm. but it's really about being able to connect with people, yes. um, being authentic. And I learned all of those things from, from my mother. Aww, that's awesome. Well, I also read that you had an, earl, an elderly cousin who just like your grandparents taught you some life lessons. What life lessons did you learn from her? So um, I learned, yes, Evelyn. Oh, <laughs> I learned, cool. okay. I learned, her name is Evelyn, yes. I learned um, not to live outside of my means. Mm -hmm. I also like, you know, just like, yes, like make sure like you're saving money and for a rainy day. I also learned that um, I shouldn't, you know, uh, she would say I was going to kill myself for my job because I was working so hard. Mm. And she's like, you know, you'll drop that and tomorrow <laughs> they'll hire someone else. Oh, and yes, like, yes, but I I didn't listen to her. I still continued to push forward and, you know, all the, you know, assimilating and making sure I fit in. She's like, you know, she'd always tell me about these things that I was doing mm. to fit into my job. I'm like, you don't understand. But I didn't understand. I didn't understand that she was absolutely right. Mm. Right. That, you know, I would, it, the more I gave, the more people would want versus mm -hmm. finding balance in life. Right. Or, you know, there's always a new shiny object or a new shiny thing that, you know, defines you as a, as an individual, depending on your lifestyle pursuits and you think you need it, but you really don't. Right. Mm -hmm. You can mm -hmm. save, right. You can, uh, you know, find ways to, to live, live uh, modestly and you know the the wealth that you would feel is more of your sense of security in a moment and mm -hmm. you know being able to have a place to live and i think you know i, I probably wouldn't have shared these things 
three years ago, mm-hmm. but today I yeah. think, you know, being able to have a roof over your head, food, um, live, live in a safe place is so important that, mm-hmm. um, those lessons, uh, I didn't know I was going to need them in 2020 mm. or 2017, but, yeah. um, they, they definitely paid off. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I read that she was, she worked for the federal government for 57 years as yeah. a legal clerk yeah. and then, yeah. but then she passed away after, um, I mean, she spent the last nine years of her life in bed before she yeah. passed. So yeah. for someone who like worked for so long in one place um, and then to pass those lessons to you, I mean, she definitely lived it, right? She definitely lived her lessons. Yes, yes, she did, she did. And, and that is absolutely why um, and it, it's, it's not until you just said that that I put, put it all together, right? And mm-hmm. that's probably, um, I probably operate my life in mm-hmm. the way, like, you know, not making sure that I find time for, like, self-care, prioritize mm-hmm. family, because I understand what working till the very end looks like, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, and, and, and that's what she did. And the reason why she stopped working was because she could no longer go up and down the steps in our home. Oh, so, wow. um, you know, like she occupied, we lived in a two family house and she, she lived on a lower level, mm-hmm. but she could no longer get upstairs to her bedroom. Oh. So then she became bedridden. So her, her mind was still sharp. Her, right. you know, she, you know, all of the things that I shouldn't be doing in my life so that I was mm-hmm. doing wrong, she made sure to tell me, <laughs> but she also, um, you know, she also, I think in that moment, realized that all that she had done, you know, mm-hmm. look at where she was, you know, right. living, you know, people say, oh, you want to travel when they retire? Or so she, she probably worked, what, 20, no, six, 25, 27 years past retirement. Mm. And, and it, so it was the thing that kept her going. Right. And uh, she was definitely sharp because she was a legal assistant yeah. for details. And yeah. yeah, yeah, she was. So wow. I think that she understood, you know, those lessons. And I I was fortunate that, um, and didn't realize it at the time either, that she was departing uh, life lessons that I would also carry with me um, on my journey. Yeah, because she didn't want you to go through the same thing she did. I mean, she lived her right. life for sure, and she had her own life, but she right. didn't want you to um, go through the same, I guess, or or, you know, like have difficulties like she did. So right, right. Huh. Okay, right. that's incredible. I love that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so going forward, what are your personal goals? Uh, and so my, well, and mm-hmm. is there something you haven't yet done that you would like to do or try? Okay. So yes. Yeah, so going forward, my personal goal. So my short-term personal mm-hmm. goal is um, I am currently uh, studying to be an herbalist. Oh. And um, yeah, so uh, herbal medicine, researching herbal medicine, uh-huh. and um, and learning about just like the world from the ground up, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, and how it, uh, you know, how you know plants and nature and and um, herbal medicine can uh, aid in our daily lives, aid us in our daily lives, and then also. Um, in terms of what I haven't been able to do, I just, I, 
I paid attention to the environment. Earth Day was important growing up. Mm -hmm. But my perspective today is very different, especially with what's going on in the world. So uh, living uh, a more mindful and ethical and uh, environmentally friendly life Mm -hmm. is uh, is important to me and also making sure I depart that on to my children. Mm. And um, what I haven't done is um, like grown any sort of plants or fruits or vegetables mm. and oddly it's, it's really interesting that <laughs> i am in this place now because my um my families in the caribbean they they own farms right oh, wow. they, like agriculture was their life like uh-huh. they grew all sorts of um all sorts of you know vegetables and fruits and it was a way of life and had animals on a farm and I'm thinking to myself, oh my husband's like, oh I'm never gonna go back there. I'm not doing that. What do I do about that? Right? Like mm. in the supermarket. Uh-huh. And now today I'm just like I'll stand and gaze at a tree or plants or like there's this there's this this uh, new thing on the iPhone app where if you take a picture of a plant and you click on it, there's an eye with a star symbol and it'll ask you if it's a plant and if you click on it the app will actually tell you what kind of plant it really? is. Really? So, yes. Oh, that's so yes. cool. Huh? Yes. So um, I, you can find me any day of the week, <laughs> you know, in the park, staring at trees or being amazed by something I see growing out of the ground. And I think it's amazing. It's forced me to slow down and enjoy and be ah, present. Yeah. So if there's one thing, I, I haven't been present. I have mm-hmm. all these ref- moments of reflection and Mm-hmm. Or my friends will say, do you remember? I'm like, no, I really, you really don't remember that? I'm like, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. So I don't want that to be, you know, how I uh, I move forward mm-hmm. in life and continue to, to grow and evolve. Mm-hmm. I want to be present for it all. I love that. And I love that. <laughs> I'm not, after, uh, after the show, I may ask you about that app. Because <laughs> that's, really, <laughs> that's really cool. Because... Yeah. You know, like I, I, like you, I've tried to grow or even keep a plant alive, and I have right. a black thumb, and I've tried when I lived in Manhattan, and it just would not work. I'm like, okay, forget it. You know, it's like it's not working for me. So when we lived out in the suburbs, we were like, oh, maybe I can do this, and I'm like, nope. <laughs> it's like I guess I don't have a green thumb, but I'm always curious, like you know, like the especially when it comes to plants and trees it's like you know where they how they um like how they grew and and how old they are it's it's fascinating you know especially when they've been here longer than us for sure exactly exactly so i feel like there's something for for they're teaching us something and we're just like i'm gonna go over here today or i'm gonna you know drive my car or yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're in a way, it's like, well, it keeps you, it kind of pulls you back to be, like you said, to be in the moment, to be present, you know, because nine times out of ten, I know I, I'm not, you know, and, and I try to be, I try to on a daily basis, but, you know, things get in the way, or, you know, life gets, life, life happens, so, you know, but it, there is a, a part where you can do that. Even like and, and work towards that. So that's awesome. I love that. Um, I feel extremely grateful. 
uh-huh. to be able to do that because I know it's not easy and it's not possible for everyone. Every, you know, everyone has yes. a different lifestyle or their right. goals are different. So stopping and slowing down, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's almost, it is impossible for many people. So right. I feel truly grateful to be able to do that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I feel the same. Um, so what are your goals for Excellence and Presence Communications as well as the community you're involved in? So uh, Excellence and Presence Communications is going to continue to evolve and work on a variety of lifestyle brands Mm. as well as businesses and support individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been supporting a lot of executives these days who are looking to raise their profile and they are some of the most amazing women that are doing you know, that, you know, impactful work and, and still being humble, right? Mm. Even if they're recognized the impact of their work, while it may be global or regionally or nationwide, is uh, the creating that celebration mm-hmm. is, is what I feel like I'm doing and helping to raise their profile because the work that they do that isn't announced like coaching, executive coaching, or being a leader and still being able to coach the young women that you work with about the challenges that they will encounter mm-hmm. is is absolutely impressive. And that is the that's the type of work that I want to continue to do. I'll of course promote brands and help folks launch products and mm-hmm. step into a crisis every now and then with my extinguisher. But <laughs> I um, elevating the profile of amazing people who are doing work that is helping to impact our world positively helping mm-hmm. you know each few people to get through their day is a direction that i'd like to go in a lot of the a lot will evolve continue to evolve and and a lot of the work that uh, the you know, diversity equity and inclusion work it's those words have become so polarizing mm-hmm. that i it's happening a lot of brands and people are doing that work yeah. without the label Right. Mm-hmm. So how how can I, you know, make it more digestible or demonstrate how, you know, a global CMO is helping to impact women around the world mm-hmm. without using those words? And it's through right. the examples of of their impact. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And still being able to say that's my spin. Right. Mm-hmm. That's how I spin it. Right. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how I spin it. <laughs> no, but again, it goes back to your value system. You know, that's right. That, that comes from you and your right. own authenticity and how you want to be seen in the world how you want to be not just as an as a brand or an agency but as the person who is running this organization this company you know absolutely so absolutely and um, then and then go ahead i was going to say in terms of the community so i am currently coaching uh 10 4 and 5 year olds in soccer oh wow (laughs) and um that's so cool i feel like i have uh eight like nine because my son is also on the team Uh i have nine new best friends Uh right and um (laughs) being able to like just you know go get back into like a childlike nature and fun and Mm -hmm. encourage them to you know not give up and it's the same Uh thing that you then need in you know in a corporation you know you still need that support and and um, so I'm going to tell you it's going to be okay when, you know, something you think is bad happens, you know, mm-hmm. be able to push forward. So 
I am, I'm loving it. And mm-hmm. I have never coached a team, well, a, team, <laughs> you know, a sports team, right? Wow. I've led teams by coastal teams as, a, as an executive, but wow. it is, it is so much fun. So I'd love to continue to do that. And last year I was, uh, well, two years ago, I was working with at-risk youth mm-hmm. in Brooklyn um, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of helping to show them that there's life beyond the, um, the constructs of their communities and, um, and, you know, that they should also feel empowered to go beyond their, um, the limitations that they see in front of them and be more confident. So I think, you know, four or five-year-olds, it's a, it's, um, it's a, a nice step, a nice step in, um, in, the, in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, in a way, you're mentoring these young people, you know, into what is possible for them. Like there's right. no, there's no holds barred for them you know like look right. you know this is this is your world right now but it can so expand you know yeah. as much and and as much as you'd like so I love right. that right. oh that's yeah. so cool okay yeah. <laughs> so where do you see yourself in five years in five years I see myself as uh, owning another business an herbal business mm-hmm. uh, and um as well as uh, still leading my integrated communications company and creating narratives. I think they both live, uh, can live, uh, exist, equally exist. Mm -hmm. And um, I do hope that they will both uh, continue to expand and become global Mm, and and helping people, right? Both from from a storytelling perspective, as well as a medicinal, herbal medicinal perspective, even if it's something as simple as relaxing, Mm -hmm. right? Like helping people to relax with a nice chamomile tea or, (laughs) you know, adding lavender to a bath, right? Like after a hard day's work, like whatever it's going to be that's going to allow folks to, you know, slow down and be present. Yeah. Yes. I love that. So if anyone wanted to get to know more about presence, excellence and presence communications, um, how would they go about it? So they can um, check out my website at excellencepresence.com, www.excellencepresence.com. Also um, email pr at excellencepresence.com. Mm-hmm. Or they can also um, go to my LinkedIn profile. It's Jeanette Brown uh, on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And I also have an Excellence and Presence communications page there as well. Okay, great. Is there anything you would like to say to my listeners? I would uh, like to thank them for listening to this interview and um and also, I hope that there was something that I shared that they were able to take away that helped to inspire them on their journey. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I wanted to say thank you. Oh. Thank you to you as well. Wow. You are so welcome. So if you had one thing to change that you wish had done years ago, what would that be? I would have been more confident in myself. Hmm and exhibited exhibited that externally. I would have demonstrated a lot more self-confidence. It took me a long time to believe in myself despite the things I was doing because I was looking for external acceptance, Mm. external recognition versus realizing, Jeanette, has anybody done this, (laughs) right? (laughs) Has anybody that you know done this? And, you know, but unfortunately, you know, that's that's the way 
I don't take it even unfortunately. Fortunately, mm-hmm. that's the, the way that I was able to discover my own confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is by living without it for so long. Right. Okay. Yeah, and, and it's funny, you made me think, like, you know, well, we are our biggest critics, though. We ourselves are our biggest critics. So it's hard to, you know, be confident when you're not even confident about right. your own thoughts or your, your, you know, your own limitations. So, um, right. Okay. Right. Um, so the last question is, what if, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? I would tell my younger self that uh, you are doing a great job and your dreams will come true mm-hmm. and you will also inspire other people to other people to make their dreams come true as well. I love that. Well, Jeanette, thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing your life with me and my listeners and I love hearing your stories and, and, you know, how you are really making a difference in your, um, with your company, with your agency and continued success. And I really hope that, you know, uh, when you have this other business of (laughs) your, um, (laughs) with your, I guess your garden or, or a different, um, I guess different entity. Um, good luck with that and you know because I'm sure that whatever you're doing next is going to impact so many other people because of the way you look at things you know because of the way you see things so thank you you thank you very much oh my gosh okay (laughs) well have a good day and I will speak with you soon yes thank you and thanks for having me you as well bye bye that's our show for today I've posted more information about Jeanette Brown on RevWoman.com. I will be taking a break for the holidays, but please tune back in on Thursday, January 5th to hear about our next Revolutionary Woman. You can listen to Revolutionary Woman on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for listening. Happy holidays and Happy New Year. Just a little note. I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is patreon.com slash revwoman.